Welcome to Coach's Corner. I'm Pat DiMartino. We've arrived at episode six of my 2020 NFL Draft Preview Podcast. And finally, we're diving into some offensive skill position. Today, I'm going to be breaking down wide receivers. Hope you enjoy the show. So we finally arrived at what I see as the deepest position in the 2020 draft, and that, that's the wide receiver position. Uh, when I was initially parsing out the top 100, th- those were the guys I really wanted to look at in terms of this uh, overall NFL draft preview uh, podcast. I ended up with 14 receivers in that group, and the interesting thing is the bottom end of those guys, these third, fourth rounders, I think a lot of them can come into the league and start, and that that is extremely rare. Uh, I don't think I remember a draft quite like that. It's just a smorgasbord of talent and a lot of different styles, too. Whatever sort of tickles your fancy, you can really find in this draft. So it was an overwhelming process going through these 14 guys and also doing a solo podcast. I don't have any of these uh, rising star college coaches to help me sort of navigate through each guy from a film standpoint. But this podcast is going to be a little bit different. It's not going to be as coaches clinic-esque. It's going to be more me trying to express to you guys what I see in terms of the styles of these players and sort of what skill sets they bring to the table. And more or less you for for yourself can decide which players you hope your favorite teams pursue how they fit your team needs. If you're a fantasy football player, maybe guys that you want to target and keep your leagues going forward. Uh, If you're a gambler, guys that you think are guys to buy low on proposition wager-wise, you can even bet the draft. And I think there's some good gambling opportunities um, available in this year's draft. I'll talk about that on a later podcast. But this is going to be more tailored. For, for the casual fan, not as much as coach speak as some of my previous shows. And uh, I, I hope you find it interesting. I know it was a really interesting group to evaluate. It was a difficult group to evaluate. I like all 14 guys on this board. I, I mean, there's really only one that wouldn't be a guy I would draft for sure at where he slotted. We'll get to that a little bit later. But first, I kind of want to introduce how I went about this. I didn't really tier it in terms of talent because I think it's very difficult. I think there's some really, you're really splitting hairs with a lot of these guys. I kind of wanted to group it based on the brand that they played with. And, and I'll talk more about that as I move forward in the podcast. And it ends up being seven little clusters of receivers. And I'll start with the first one. And that to me is overachievers. And there's really only one guy in this group that fits that mold for me, and that's Devin Duvernay at Texas. 5'11", 200-pounder, track star, 43940 guy. He's one of the rare track athletes that fully made the conversion to football player. You know, we talked with, with Pat Rooley in the first podcast about Ashton Davis. He looked like a track guy. I, I never really was sold that he, you know, made the, the full transformation. It's a difficult one to make. Uh, Duvernay, when he came to Texas, you know, he was the 100-meter state champ in track, and that ain't easy to win in Texas. 
that speed really translates on the field. Obviously, he did at the combine as well with his 4-3-9 numbers. But when he first got to Texas, he was a bit of a quiet guy, a lead-by-example guy. And you know I don't like that, that term, lead-by-example, if you've heard any of my podcasts in the past. Football is not a game that is played quietly and within yourself. You need to motivate guys around you to be a true leader. And I think he really changed in that regard as he developed at Texas. By the time he was a senior, he was a captain. Um, he was a vocal guy, and he played with a lot of passion. And I think just wearing that C on his chest really brought out uh, another level mentally for him. He's a guy I'm very high on. He's mocked sort of late third roundish. I-, I think he could be a talented player. He's a captain. He's a home run hitter, first and foremost. He's trying to score every single rep. Um, he'll run through tackles, he'll deliver blows, he's a sharp route runner. Now he's a slot guy at 5'11", like I said, but he possesses some skills that are not really common in slot receivers. Um, he's got a knack for getting vertical, more so than a lot of slot guys you see in today's game that more have like lateral quickness and excel in shallow crossing type routes. He really has a pretty polished route tree. For a slot guy, and I think he can stretch the field well. Um, he's thick, compact, he's a finisher, he's a really willing blocker, and also dynamic in the return game, and that's going to help his draft stock. These bottom-tier guys, you better have some special teams quality uh, to elevate your, your status. He's faster than he is quick, which is kind of weird based on his frame. That may be a slight negative, but he's polished and I think he's a fine addition to any wide receiver room. Early in the season in the LSU film, he dominated Grant Delpit, and that's a safety that's being talked about late first, early second round. I I just think this guy is a competitor. So think Danny Amendola meets Curtis Samuel meets Albert Wilson. A, A bit of a bizarre comp, I'll give you that, just blending those three guys, but he really possesses all those skill sets. And I'm going to do my best throughout this podcast to give some sort of an NFL comparison so you can kind of envision their skill set and their style of play. The, um, the next cluster, this is actually consists of three players. And this, this grouping I'm calling my big-bodied number twos. I don't quite see them as number one receivers going forward, but I think they could be impact twos early on in their career. Uh, the first one is Brian Edwards from South Carolina. He's 6'3", 212, uh, no 40 time because he was nursing a knee injury. But what's evident on tape to me right off the bat is that he's a team player. He's not a diva at all. I actually think he's got some upside because his breakout age, 17.8, which is actually in the 100th percentile. And uh, a website I've been using to help me during this draft preview uh, process, playerprofile.com has some really interesting analytics. And one of them is this breakout age stat. And it kind of tries to quantify how old a guy was when he became a quote-unquote dominant force in college football. There's a lot of advanced metrics that went into how they uh, determined dominant. But there's a big school of thinking out there that these guys that are breaking out younger are going to translate at the next level just because they have so much more room for growth. If you're dominating in college football as a 17-year-old, 
just think when you develop into your f- fullest potential, uh, h- how much better and refined your skill set can become. Um, let's see some more things on Brian Edwards, South Carolina. Um, d- impressive hang time. Uh, his ability to high point the football really comes through on tape. And this is going to be a common theme we get to with a couple of these next few guys. He was never really comfortable in his offense. He had some mediocre quarterback play, um, a lot of transition coaching staff-wise. So that translated, I think, to his timing being off. Uh, His route running really never became that confident or polished. Just a lot of those inconsistencies I'm excusing because, of again, the coaching turnover and poor quarterback play. Um, again, not a pure one for me, but his potential as a two or big slot, I think makes him intriguing where he's being mocked right now. Late third, early fourth round type guy. You know, he kind of reminds me of a cross of Michael Gallup and Anquan Bolden. Now that that's high praise, but just his prowess as a hands catcher and his toughness kind of screamed Bolden to me and his athletic ability just reminded me visually of Michael Gallup. So Brian Edwards is a guy I'm high on in that sort of big-bodied number two receiving cluster. The next guy's Van Jefferson, Florida. Now, he's an older guy. He's almost 24. That's probably his biggest knock. Uh, he's 6'2", 200 pounds. He didn't run the 40 because he had a fractured foot. Um, some scouts were down on his speed as well as his age, but he clocked the fastest player in game at the senior bowl. And and some guys just are football fast, man. There's a a lot of adrenaline that comes in the game of football. And some guys, when you put the pads on just are effectively faster than they would be, you know, just in shorts at the combine, he's a phenomenal route runner. And that's something I can't say about the majority of this receiving class. He's really polished in that regard. Plays the game with a ton of confidence. He's a shit talker, which I like. Not in a negative way, but he is just amped, basically, at all times. Um, Another guy, mediocre quarterback situation. You know, Felipe Franks of Florida, Kyle Trask. These were not guys that I was in love with at the college level. You know, they're good program players, but I don't think they really allowed the receivers to to show their their true ability at Florida. Um, I definitely would like to see a little bit more consistent effort, especially when he's not the primary receiver. And combined with that knock on his age, that's pretty much it. I, I think he's polished. I think he can help right away. I'm not, not sure the ceiling on him. Again, being an older guy, is he really going to blossom that much further? But right now, I see a lot of Adam Thielen in his game. I see some James Jones, kind of that bigger athletic, polished route runner that's not going to run away from you, but can be a very efficient, effective player, especially in the right system. So I like Van Jefferson from Florida. Donovan Peoples-Jones, the last of the big-bodied number twos. Now you talk about coaching turnover and offensive turnover and uh, mediocre quarterback play. Man, Michigan... I mean, he probably faced more adversity than either of the previous two guys. He's 6'2", 212 pounds, ran a 4'4", and he's in the 99th percentile among all receivers in burst score. And we're going to get to burst score a lot in this podcast. And basically what that is is a measure of your static 
explosiveness. So from a standing position, it kind of averages your broad jump and vertical jump, not, not from running, just from static zero inertia. And it, it compares that to your height and weight and sort of gives us overall score based off that. And he's in the 99th percentile. Basically, he's a freak. He can go up and get it. It comes through on the film. Um, I didn't need the combine to tell me that, you know, it, it's evident when you watch the tape. I like that he's a willing blocker. He plays a physical brand of football, has very good hands. And for Knox, really, I mean, he's not the sharpest route runner. He needs to work on his ability to get off press coverage. Um, he wasn't the most productive guy statistically. Again, I think that can be kind of attributed to coaching and quarterback play and uh, a lot of turnover over the years at Michigan, but I think he could be a major diamond in the rough. I think his ceiling is probably a little higher than the last two guys. Uh, he could wreak havoc right away in the slot at a bare minimum, but I think he has you know potential as a Z or a dominant slot receiver. To me, when I look at him, you know, for pro comps, I see Martavis Bryant, I see Jalen Strong, I see Braylon Edwards. You know that that's pretty lofty competition from an athletic standpoint and. I think someone's going to get a steal in Donovan Peoples-Jones. Fourth round, Mock, I think he may go a little sooner just because uh, the competition he played at Michigan as well. I think a lot of scouts think highly of the Big Ten this year. So uh, I'm high on Donovan Peoples-Jones. If he's in the fourth round and I need a receiver, especially a bigger-bodied one, it'd be hard for me uh, not to pull the trigger. Our next cluster of receivers is kind of what I labeled as bursty, unfinished athletes. That's two guys for me. It's Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State and Denzel Mims from Baylor. They're both kind of combine darlings. They're raw, and it's a tough call between the two. First, I want to get into Ayuk. He's mocked to go anywhere from, you know, very tail end of the first round to the first handful of picks of the second he's a six footer ran a four five forty 205 pounds a thicker kid um he's also in the 92nd percentile burst score uh special as hell in the open field you know he's not super elusive in close quarters however because he's more of a long strider uh also solid on the return game that'll help him special teams wise Uh, another uh check in his column for a uh perspective GM. My concern mainly for Ayuk is that he's just an okay route runner. Now, albeit he wasn't asked to really master an extensive route tree in college, and I, I can't help but harken back to Nikhil Harry from last year that New England drafted. Um, he's a guy that New England fans really were dying to get involved because they could just see he was oozing talent. But McDaniels was insistent that he just was not ready. And I'm worried about a similar learning curve coming from this system uh, in AUK. Now, this is not a knock on Herm Edwards' program. I just think he's got a really young team right now and a very young quarterback. And they're doing some super simple stuff because of how athletic they are. It's a lot of just RPO and um, inside breaking routes. It's almost like slants or fades. And really, a whole not a whole lot of intermediate stuff. 
So he's definitely not polished in that regard. I see some DJ Moore in his game, some John Brown. I really don't question the athletic ability for him, more or less mentally, is where I uh, I have some concern. Um, Denzel Mims at Baylor, he probably has the biggest gap in terms of average mock position. I've seen him mocked from 13 to 30, and I think a lot of that has to do with being 6'3", 207, and running a 4'3", I mean, there's some GMs that are just unwilling to ignore such an athletic specimen. He just murdered the combine. I mean, that, that 40 time is sick based on any metric, but he's in the 96th percentile adjusted to his size, also above the 90th percentile in burst score. So really, you know, the physical tools are not in question whatsoever. He overcomes not being the cleanest technician or route runner with his rare mix of physicality and speed. You know, he really needs to clean that up at the next level. I think as the the competition gets better, this is sort of a mantra I've had over and over. As the competition evens out, technique will win. And he has uh, some, some ground to make up in that area. But I think he possesses the, the skill set. I like that he's from a winning program. When he got to Baylor, they were he sort of experienced life in the gutter in the basement in the Big 12. And they made it all the way to the Big 12 championship game. Part of a winning culture. Played for Matt Rule and was a leader on the team. Um, so Mims, I, I like slightly more than Ayuk if I have to choose between these bursty, unfinished athletes. Um, I do worry about the tech getting exposed, like I said, but he can really be special if, if he can heighten his attention to detail. The, the ceiling is infinite. Granted, the floor isn't great because of that route running technique, but I like Denzel Mims a lot. I see Demarius Thomas when I watch him on tape. That's the first name that comes to mind. Uh, another sort of tiebreaker between him and Ayuk in my eyes now, I'm going to probably get some slack on this from some people, but Ayuk sat out the Sun Bowl, and Mims showed up and played the Sugar Bowl against Georgia and balled out, and he didn't have to. Um, I guess I'm old school, but I like guys that finish what they start. I was lucky enough to play golf with Daniel Jones, actually. It was the last thing I did before quarantine. A friend of a friend sort of situation. It was very lucky. But I got to play with Dan Jones, and I asked him his take on athletes that sit out their bowl game. And I kind of expected a vanilla answer because he was a super nice kid and amazingly respectful. But he told me that that really bothered him, and it was something that he, he didn't even consider his senior year against Temple. Like he, He's going to go out a winner and play his bowl game. So that that's another feather in the cap of Denzel Mims. I like that he finished what he started. I like him a little more than Ayuk, but I'm high on both guys. A little bit of project, like I said, but they have all the ability in the world. So those are the first three clusters, the overachievers, the big body number twos, the bursty, unfinished athletes. And the fourth cluster is kind of a man on his own island. As far as I'm concerned, it's a one-man grouping for me, and that's the first off the bus slash elite producer. Now, that, that's a rare mix. When I say first off the bus, that's the guy that looks legit in a uniform. You want him first off the bus on road games just from an intimidation visual presence factor. Now, a lot of times that guy isn't your best player or best producer, but T. Higgins, 
produced at an extremely high level at Clemson. 6'4", 40 times. 6'4 is actually the tallest receiver in this group. He's just 21 years old, so there's a lot of room for improvement. Really encouraging that he was able to break out in his sophomore year in 2018. That, that puts him in the upper 90s in terms of percentile and breakout age, which is a stat that I'm really going to be paying attention to this year. It's a relatively new uh, analytic, but I kind of like it. Absurdly productive career. 25 touchdowns in the last two years alone. Um, The knock on him for me, other than not really having anything that stands out on tape as as far as his dominant skill set, is just that he's been in such a great situation the last few years. Opposed to some of these other guys, he's playing with an All-American quarterback, an amazing offensive line. Generally, he's better than his opponent every single week. Um, that Clemson coaching staff has amazing continuity. There's almost no turnover from year to year. So I, I think a little bit of a compiler in that regard. Um, what does he excel in, really? I mean, to me, it's kind of an indescribable art of getting open for him. He just knows how to find open space and sit down in zones and has a very good feel of where defenders are. Um, He's got quick feet. He's got good body control. Uh, Like I said before, he's aware. A solid route runner. You know, again, hard guy to knock. A phenomenal college career. But to me, there's really more floor there than there is ceiling. I just don't see as much explosiveness as I'd like. You know, if everything goes well, I think a career like a Plexico Burris kind of fits for him. Um, Plax had a nice career, you know, obviously caught the game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl to defeat the undefeated Patriots. That's my lasting image of Plax, aside from uh, shooting himself in the leg with a gun in the club, which wasn't a great look for Burris. And I'm not trying to say Higgins has any of those off-the-field question marks because he doesn't. But Higgins, to me, like I said, more floor, less ceiling, absurdly productive, but I think a lot of that was because of an ideal situation in college. So we've gotten through our overachiever. We've gotten through our big-bodied number twos. You know, we've navigated through the bursty, undefined athletes, got through first off the bus slash elite producer, and and this next category is a really unique one. And I guess the simplest way to put it would be gadget guys. Now, that's is sort of a negative term to some people because they think that they don't possess enough true ability to be used in a traditional sense. And that's really not what I mean here. These were more guys that were studs on their team that offensive coordinators were pressing to find ways to get them more involved, whether their quarterbacks were limited in ability or offensively, these teams were just challenged in certain ways I think there was some forced feeding of these next three guys. Um, Their skill sets are unique for sure. They're not quite traditional receivers. Um, They were often keyed against in college because they they were the dude for their team. And at times you really had to create how you got them involved. But I'm high on all three. Now, I'm a little biased because I'm a fan of these three players. One of them was my favorite player in college football last year, but I do think they they all possess enough unique skills that they could have a solid NFL careers. Uh, the first one being K.J. Hamler from Penn State. Only 20 years old. He's 5'11", 178. 
Rumor has it he ran a sub 4-3 while training for the combine. Now he, he tweaked a hammy in that process and, and and couldn't participate in the drills at the combine. So take take what you may from that. Uh, I'm not going to quite commit to sub 4-3 based on what I see on tape. I do think he's a 4-4 guy for sure. Um, he was targeted 171 times in his first two years at Penn State. Uh, that's kind of what I'm talking about, being sort of forced – uh, into the action almost to a fault at times. Defenses really were keyed on him. Uh, he was also a return specialist, both in kickoff and punt. Um, but he's a true slot guy. You know, this can't. This comparison is going to be a little bit ambitious, but I, I'm going to go with it anyway. And I see some Tyreek Hill in his game, and I see some Julian Edelman in his game. Now, that's super high praise. That That's sort of the obviously the upper end of his spectrum. At the next level, he's actually a little bit longer limbed than Tyreek Hill and, and definitely not as explosive and powerful in close corners. But when he gets open and up and running, I mean, he, he, he can definitely fly. I'm not sure if he runs quite as well as Hill, but it's close. Um, I, he's more polished than Tyreek was at this stage of his college career. Hill was more used as a, as a running back or F position at Oklahoma State and uh, Hamler at least has gotten a ton of reps at wide receiver. I think for him, it's going to be all about what system he falls in. I think drafted in the right spot, he can be, you know, Tyreek Hill light. And, you know, I don't want to say worst case Julian Edelman because that's pretty lofty as well. But I just don't see how Hamler is going to be, uh, how he's going to fail at the next level. I, I think he's too talented I like the culture he comes from at Penn State. I think as a mid-second rounder in the right system, he flourishes. Uh, the next guy, LaVisca Chenault Jr. from Colorado. Now, I'm super biased on him because he was my favorite player in college football. Um, he's mocked to go somewhere around 26 in the draft. I actually am happy to see that because I wasn't sure he would get respected that as much as he did. But I guess the scouts kind of see what I did. In terms of him being really held back by Colorado and uh, a lot of coaching change there as well and very mediocre quarterback play. Uh, he's 6'1", 227. Thick kid, big legs. Only ran a 4'5", but he played football fast. Like he, he does not seem slow to me on film at all. Probably his biggest concern was having nagging injuries throughout his college career. The Docs... Now say he's the healthiest he's been, you know, again, am I going to hang my hat on that? Maybe. Uh, I sure hope so because he was fun to watch and we didn't even get to see much of him at full speed in college, but he, he was just a warrior. I mean, tough to a fault, played through all these injuries. Um, I already spoke about his uh, coaching turnover and mediocre quarterback play that he had to deal with. Uh, that being said, he was back-to-back team MVP. Talked about his elite lower body strength. Reminds me of Quarterell Patterson in that regard. Not as fast as him, but even more powerful with as far as his lower half. And he's just a football player, bottom line. Now, you talk about gadget guys. They used him in every way possible. Fourth and one Wildcat was one of his really big roles, and he was very good at it. Um, reminds me in Duvernay from Texas in terms of his ability to hit the home run. He's looking to house call everything. Like he's not satisfied with uh, going down on initial contact. He's football fast, 
has elite awareness, tracks the deep ball well. I, I think he's versatile, man. He, I think he has a nice toolbox. Got really good body control. He definitely doesn't blow you away uh, in terms of leaping ability or agility, um, especially not at the combine. But when you put the pads on, you really don't see any of these glaring weaknesses at all. So I like Chenault. I already mentioned I think he's a lot like um, Corderell Patterson in terms of his strength. But he reminds me you know, of Robert Woods, of Debo Samuel, these sort of thicker receivers that when they get going north and south, they can really go. And their explosiveness shines through at that point. So I like LaVisca. He's a late first rounder. I'm not going to reach for him because I do think some of that lack of uh, raw athleticism with the ball in the air is going to limit him from being a superstar. But kind of like Hamler, he's going to be a really good addition to any receiving room. The next guy probably has the the highest ceiling of this group, and that's Jalen Rager from TCU. He's mocked right in that same area, anywhere from 25 to low 30s. Um, so Rager, TCU, 5'11", 206, 21 years old, and very similar to Chenault in terms of being a gadget guy. Now, even more so than Colorado, TCU struggled mightily on offense, and they really tried to force his touches. Just off, without even having to watch the film, I, I can remember countless games watching TCU where he's just wide open and they couldn't get him the rock. So his numbers may not be great collegiately, but I I wouldn't hold that against him. Um, He does have some weaknesses. I don't think he's the cleanest route runner, but athletically he, he doesn't have anything holding him back. Unlike Chenault, he's in the 99th percentile burst score and he runs well. So that's a rare comparison. He's probably the first guy since we talked about maybe Denzel Mims that possesses that speed and also zero inertia burst. And that that should translate. The problem is the route running like they talked about. He also has some loafs when he's not the primary, which I wasn't in love with. Body language at times is questionable. But he has impressive suddenness and change in direction. He is elite after the catch. Crazy acceleration in close quarters. You know... I'm not going to put him in the Hall of Fame because, like I said, there are those negatives. Um, The inconsistent effort at times did bother me. And, you know, frustration is going to happen, especially at the next level against elite competition. So he's really going to have to work on maintaining his composure. You know, when I look at an NFL comp for him, I kind of see some of Tavon Austin. And then I see some of Josh Doxson. Now, In isolation, you would think that's a knock, but when you combine those two skill sets, you know, Tavon Austin's uh, wiggle and pure speed and Josh Doxson's prowess as a jumper, I I think you combine into the total package. If he can refine his route running, he is definitely the stud of this grouping. I'm just not sure. I, I, I wish I could have an expert receiver coach come on and talk to me about whether his deficiencies in that area can be cleaned up at the next level. I have a hunch that they will to a degree, but he'll never be great at it. So Rager, to me, interesting prospect for sure. Probably the high ceiling out of the gadget guys, quote-unquote. 
but I like him, Chanel, and Hamler. I'm, I'm bullish on all three. The next category is sort of a new position in the NFL, and that's that every down big slot guy. These are teams that play a lot of 11 personnel. You know, the fullback is kind of a, a dying breed, so the teams are in three wide all, all game long. Not not all squads, but what comes to mind off the top of my head is Philadelphia Eagles is a perfect fit for Justin Jefferson. I think they have the 21st pick. He's being mocked right around there, so they wouldn't have to reach per se. If he lands there, I think he's a perfect fit for a number of reasons. Um, he possesses an elite, elite combination of speed and burst. He's in the 90th percentile in both areas. His lower body strength is apparent. He plays tough. Doesn't shy from contact. Hey, you all watch Justin Jefferson in big games. He balled out. Now, what cannot be understated and, and underestimated is how perfect of a system he was in at LSU. Not only did he have the best quarterback, but he had a revolutionary offensive coordinator. And he made easy bread in that slot position. He, I can't tell you how many slot fades he ran and... That's a route, if you're not overly familiar with your X's and O's, where it's just an outside breaking go route from a tight split. So there's a lot of room between where you are and the sideline, and the quarterback can kind of throw you open. And against undersized corners, Jefferson just, I mean, it was easy money for him. And I think that continues at the next level. It's not certainly not going to be as effortless, but... He just made it look so smooth that I think there's room there for improvement. Um, he's just, he's established himself in that role. And even if that's all he can do, I, I like him. But his potential probably doesn't end there. I think he could probably transition eventually into a, a true perimeter wide receiver. Now, he's not the smoothest and sharpest route runner. Doesn't come out of his breaks overly quickly. But... I just don't think he's been asked to do that yet. I, I think that there's some major upside with Justin Jefferson. I see Reggie Wayne when I watch the tape. I see Nelson Aguilar. Now, some of you Eagle fans are puking when you hear Aguilar. I mean it in a positive sense on his athleticism and just his balance and, and how rangy he is. He's got better hands than Aguilar, so don't worry about that. But I think Jefferson is a, a really nice fit for Philadelphia especially if he could, I mean, take the next step to be a perimeter receiver, then you have a, a, a lethal package, and they need help in that regard. So we're through, you know, the first six clusters, and we've arrived finally at the big three, which I'm labeling the cream of the crop. There's no doubt Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and C.D. Lamb have been the talk of the receiver class since day one. They're going to be the top three guys. Right now, they're props on DraftKings Sportsbook. As far as what position they're going to be drafted in are all between 12.5 and 13.5. So that's how tight Vegas thinks it is in terms of where these guys are going to be drafted. Um, for me, two stand out above one. I'm going to take a lot of slack for that as well because the guy I don't like is probably the guy that most feel is either one or two at worst. For me, the clear number three, unfortunately, is C.D. Lamb. 6'2", 198, 4'5". Now, he didn't blow up the combine with speed, 
But when you watch the tape and you're trying to compare him to all pro wide receivers, because let's be honest, when you're drafting a receiver with this type of draft capital in the top 12-ish picks, you're looking to hit a home run. You're looking for an all pro. His tape is eerily similar to DeAndre Hopkins. Now, I mean, if you're going to tell me he's going to be Hopkins, obviously it's a no-brainer to take him. But I think Hopkins got better quickly in the NFL, and I don't know if that same thing is going to happen for Lamb. Um, A couple reasons for that. First of all, Hopkins was in the 99th percentile in breakout age, and Lamb broke out a full year and a half after that, according to the analytics. So I don't know if there's as much room for growth with CD. Now, he had a phenomenal college career. 32 touchdowns in three years at OU. But, I mean, he's playing for Heisman quarterbacks in the Big 12 in a scheme that is just deadly and fit his game to a T. Um He's the first guy in these 12 that I'm going to take a stand against. I'm not drafting C.D. Lamb. My main reason why, you know, he's he's not a sharp route runner. He's not as sudden as some of these other guys, and he's clearly not as fast. But that's not why I'm not taking him. I didn't love his body language. I watched the game against Oklahoma State. I, I watched the games down the stretch for OU when he seemingly was being phased out of the offense. Meaning, you know, there was just teams were scheming against him a little bit. They weren't going to let him light him up in these big games. And he sulked. And I don't like to see that at all. I've seen that story before with guys like OBJ. These are great players, but they're not winning players to me. It's funny, actually. You know, Hopkins, we think of him as such an elite class of receiver, which he is. I'm not arguing against that, but... I started seeing some frustration leak into to Hopkins' game as well this year. I, I think he acted extremely immature in the playoff game. I think that has a big part of why he's no longer in Houston. No one's going to ever admit that. Everyone thinks O'Brien's just a complete fool and moron for trading him. I think he was fed up with Hopkins' act. I see C.D. Lamb going down that same path without the upside of the Hopkins' natural ability. So to me... He's a stay away, a clear stay away. Um, now, now, there are positives. His yards after catch stuff is electrifying. Um, he's, he's like a pinball in the open field. He does not go down. But I still can't get past that demeanor. And without any special route running or other traits that I can really hang my hat on, other than yards after catch, I'm just not going to... Uh, risk it on C.D. Lamb, especially because these next two, I think, are just home run, slam dunk, absolutely can't miss guys. And uh, uh, I need to play a little Alabama Crimson Crimson Tide fight song to get me in the mood to talk about Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs III. Now, when you think about these two guys being in the same offense? Are you kidding me? First of all, the third receiver would be a first-rounder. Waddle, the fourth receiver, may be a first-rounder by the time he's drafted. You'll never see a receiving core like that again in college football. Uh, it's actually to the point where I'm a little worried that Tua's career has been dressed up by these guys. 
So, I mean, we'll, we'll start with Henry Ruggs. To me, of the two, he has the higher ceiling, slightly lower floor. I think Judy is the safest player at the receiver position. But we'll start with Ruggs. 5'11", 188, has a 4.2740 sound. Just a legendary burner. Um, and his zero inertia burst matches. That, that ain't lacking. He's not just a track guy. On tape, if anything, he looks faster than that. There's no, no one can tell me he doesn't look that fast on tape. And you talk about home run hitters. I have never seen a guy that catches as many five-yard swing passes or quick RPO slants, and every single one is a house call. Um, his first five catches this year, he turned into touchdowns. Um, only commanded a 13% target share while at Bama. That's how loaded their offense was, but still found the end zone 18 times in his last two years there. Um, he's an efficient player with a high football IQ, great awareness. If anything, he needs to continue to get stronger if he wants to add physicality to his repertoire. Uh, certainly not as imposing as a lot of the modern-day stud receivers, but he's a guy that I think you can just pencil him in, split him out wide, and you have a reliable, reliable playmaker and home run hitter for years to come. Um, think Ted Ginn Jr. meets Santonio Holmes meets Marvin Harrison. And when I'm dropping names like Marvin Harrison, you know I like the guy because, I, I mean, th- that's football royalty. Now, does he have to become a better route runner? Yes, he's adequate in that area. Um, he's certainly not raw by any means. But he wasn't asked to sort of, kind of like Justin Jefferson, he had a little bit of a defined role at Bama, but I don't see anything holding him back to expanding on that. I like how he gets north and south after the catch. Tough kid, good teammate. I mean, Henry Ruggs is just a slam dunk. Again, not as polished as his counterpart, but probably a higher ceiling. I mean, there's just no replacing 427, 40 speed. He can score anytime he touches the ball. That's Henry Ruggs. He's mocked around 13.5. To me, he's receiver one if you're looking for ceiling. Receiver two if you're looking for a guy with the highest floor and safety net. Um, But Jerry Judy, I mean, talk about a special player. Uh, When I see him, I see OBJ, the good OBJ, and the bad, to be honest with you. Uh, We'll get to that later. But I see some Steve Smith Jr. in Jerry Judy's game. I see some Jeremy Macklin, kind of how he's a, a smooth strider. He's great at getting vertical. Um, an incredible college career. Now, he commanded about 25% of the Bama target share. He scored 24 touchdowns in his last two seasons. And like I said before, leading in, he's the most polished receiver in the NFL draft. He is a crispy, sharp route runner. Changes directions incredibly well in the open field and in close quarters. Um, you know, what he lacks by a sliver in ter- compared to his boy Ruggs, I mean, he makes up for with strength. And the ability to get north and south, put his foot in the ground with a purpose. He's physical. He's tough. He's not the freak that, you know, Julio Jones was athletically. There, there's definitely a tier below that. Now, this receiver class is phenomenal. But I'm not sure these top-end guys 
who I love, don't get me wrong, I don't think they're ever going to be the first or second best and most dominant receiver in the league. You know, when you look at Marvin Harrison's career even, you'd be hard-pressed to pick a year where he was definitely the best receiver. He was just Mr. Consistent, solid, and a pro's pro. And I think that's what you get in rugs, and I think Judy is the same way in some areas. Now, the one thing that bothers me on Judy, I think he needs to become a little bit more of a hands catcher. He tends to catch the ball with his body. Uh, that leads to some concentration drops because he's just not used to using his hands at all times. Now, that's a little bit nitpicky, um, but it's something he needs to work on. It needs to be said. Now, the route running and the athletic ability should be able, able to overcome that. At the end of the day, if he drops two balls a year, it's really not that big a deal, as you may think. Um, the ceiling is a little lower, I think, than Ruggs just because of the lack of elite front-end speed. But he could be plugged in right away and assert himself immediately you know, into, into stardom in this league. Now, I don't think he's... Similarly to what I said with Ruggs, I'm not sure he's ever going to be the best receiver in football at any given time, but I think he could be a perennial pro for, you know, uh, as long as he decides to lace it up. Now, when I talked about Beckham, his twitch reminds me a lot of Odell, but those concentration drops, you know, Beckham had a habit of making the spectacular catch, but he did drop his share of easy ones, and I see that with Judy. He's only 21 years old. I think he can kind of get over that. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. He's such an elite athlete. Uh, the Steve Smith Jr. comp kind of comes because of his toughness and ruggedness. And Macklin, just smooth strider, uh, ability to get north and south. But Macklin also a bit of a body catcher. Uh, that's why those three guys kind of reminded me of Jerry Judy in terms of total package. And... As we go through this, I, I feel like I've talked myself into Henry Ruggs as my number one. Uh, Judy's safe as hell. Just You don't see route running ability like that at the collegiate level. Um, but Ruggs, the ceiling is just wild. So for me, it's either of the two Bama boys. Uh, then Lamb is a, a distant third. Uh, I'm not going to be able to get Lamb if I'm a GM because I'm not taking him anywhere near 12 or 13. So he's kind of off my board. Uh, Jefferson, I love. I think he's a great fit with the Eagles. Then you sort of get into that gadget receiver group of Jalen Rager, my boy LaVisca, and KJ Hamler. I like all three. If any three fall to me, it's kind of going to be scheme-specific with those guys. Then we get back to T. Higgins, my first off-the-bus kind of elite producer type guy. I like T, but I'm worried about, about ceiling. Um he's kind of a guy that I think is a finished product and if I'm maybe one piece away and a little bit more of a veteran bunch he's a guy I'd like to bring on if I'm trying to win right now I'm not sure he's a guy I want to build around as a number one uh long term you know then we get the back to the unpolished sort of bursty unfinished athletes that was Denzel Mims and Brandon Ayuk. I told you I broke the tie with those two uh, and went with Mims. Um, second, second to last was the uh, big-bodied number twos. That was Peoples-Jones, Van Jefferson, and Brian Edwards. 
I thought Peoples Jones probably had the high ceiling of the bunch. I do like all three, though. These are early third, I mean, late to mid third, early fourth round guys. So, uh, again, it's going to depend on, you know, who's available at that time of the draft. Not guys I'm going to be necessarily trading up for and overly targeting. But if I need receiving depth and especially size, uh, any of those three would be a nice fit. And then last is just my overachiever, my captain, my home run hitter, Devin DuVernay, Texas. He's a late third guy that I think if you need a slot receiver, he's a slam dunk, can't miss. He's a winning player. He's a competitor. And uh, that pretty much rounds out the wide receiver group. So I know it's a little different pod today. Thanks for bearing with me. The solo podcast is not as easy to do. Um, but I think we got the job done, and hopefully I gave you a better picture of the wide receiver class. Thanks for listening.